The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, we talk about my recent trip to Disneyland and what I loved about the parks. Find all episodes of this podcast at DisneyDeciphered.com or anywhere you find podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. If you'd like to support the podcast, check us out on Patreon.com slash DisneyDeciphered, where you'll receive bonus trip reports and content. Or you can support the podcast at no cost to you by using me as your travel agent. I can help you plan your Disneyland, Disney World, or Disney Cruise vacation at no cost to you. Get started by emailing josephchung at travelmation.net. If you have any questions for the podcast, email us DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, tweet at us at www.deciphered on Twitter, or find us on Facebook and Instagram, DisneyDeciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. And welcome back to Disney Deciphered. So I finally have made it out to Disneyland, had a great trip, took my oldest daughter, uh, just the two of us. We spent a couple of days in Los Angeles doing touristy things. Uh, we visited La Brea Tar Pits, which I found out did not have dinosaurs. I've been We've been planning this trip for three years um, because obviously our plans got derailed in 2020. And this entire time, Leslie, I thought I was going to see dinosaurs at La Brea Tar Pits. That is not the case. I don't know if you knew that. My <laughs> wife didn't know. My wife left my daughter a note in her bag with a dinosaur picture on it. This is how clueless we were. My daughter knew the whole time, by the way, that there were no dinosaurs. There were no there. dinosaurs. I mean, if it makes you feel better, I did not know there were no dinosaurs either. So clearly your nine-year-old is smarter than all the adults in her life. <laughs> yes, they're mammals, by the way, okay. um, fossilized in those pits. And very cool fossils of the mammals and stuff like that. Ostensibly, that was the reason that we originally planned the trip. But then, of course, um, I had to tack on a couple of days at Disneyland after, which was great. So today we're going to talk about eight of the things I loved about Disneyland. And I think that should cover you know the majority of our trip. I was also recording live trip reports for our patrons and uh, Leslie, we have some new patrons this month, so why don't we start by giving them a shout out and a thank you. Absolutely. So thanks so much to our newest patrons, Robin C. and Justin L. And thank you as well to Belinda B. and Trevor B. who gave us one-time donations via PayPal. And you can find that on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Disney Deciphered. Awesome. So quick rundown of the trip uh, we spent about three days during doing la touristy stuff and being disappointed about not finding dinosaurs and then that was just me and then we spent a couple nights at disneyland hotel and uh two days at disneyland with park hopper tickets it was a great trip and just wanted to run through eight of the things i loved about this trip so i'll start with the 
first thing, and I'm going to go in order of importance. So number eight was, I guess I knew this mentally, but I felt it more when I was actually there at Disneyland. Because of Southern California weather, queues and almost everything is outside, including like where your ride starts. So like on It's a Small World, the boat starts outside. And then a lot of the attractions, even if they go indoors into buildings, you load outside. It speaks to the nice weather that is in Southern California, which is why obviously it was a great place for Walt Disney to build Disneyland. We still have a unvaccinated kid at home, so we're still pretty COVID conscious. It made things feel a lot better that yes, we were crammed in queues, but queues are all outside. So that was good for that. It's a little bit sunny. I had to wear sunscreen and it can get a little bit hot, but really liked how everything was outside. It did lead me to one question though, Leslie, what happens to Disneyland when it rains? Does the entire park just like shut down? I know it doesn't rain a lot, but. Well, I'm going to blow your mind first, Joe, before I answer that question. I have never been at Disneyland on a rainy day. And you know how much I've been. (laughs) You know how much I've been to Disneyland. But I believe that given the weather in the Los Angeles area. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it does happen. It absolutely does happen. And Julie Big Boy, who runs my Disneyland with Kids Facebook group, one of the co-founders of that with me, is local. And she has been at Disneyland quite a bit when it has rained and has a great post about it. But yeah, I mean, a lot of the rides do shut down. I mean, that's just the reality. So anything that's, you know, going to be outside, they do close it down. But like, kind of can see it coming. Like, if it's a big storm, you know, California in the in the winter months, that's when we sort of have our rainy season, often in January, like February, then you can kind of see a big storm coming. And the smaller storms are fairly short lived. So you know, you might get a, a drizzle or something like that. But that's not going to really shut down your entire day, especially, you know, given the long hours of, of Disneyland. But like a lot of the rides do shut down, people move to the things that are indoors, but the locals stay away when it rains because they see it coming, they cancel, you know, their park reservations or they no show or whatever, but they don't want to be there in the rain. So it's actually kind of glorious in terms of wait times for out of towners who find themselves stuck for what is open. You know, we haven't planned it out yet, but I'm guessing eventually we're going to do some Disneyland, Walt Disney World comparisons. I will say that just thinking about what the park Disneyland would be like, not having to worry about the weather in general, it is quite a mental relief because you know if you're planning to go to disney world in the summer you're just kind of mentally preparing for that three o'clock thunderstorm or whatever and so you know it does change your mentality about planning your trip but we'll get to that in another episode while i am dumping on walt disney world might as well go with number seven disneyland railroad is open and i guess leslie i didn't know how much i missed this thing it's not been the disney world railroad walt disney world railroad has not been open for for a few years. Leslie, it's been so long since Walt Disney World Railroad has been open. Maybe people don't even remember what the railroad is. So can you tell us what the Disneyland Railroad is? Because, you know, it's the same concept. In- right. So this is where you finally got your dinosaurs, Joe. And we'll get to that. Um- <laughs> Whoa, spoiler alert. But yes. <laughs> That's right. So the Disneyland Railroad, of course, encircles Disneyland Park. And there are four stops, of course, starts at Main Street USA, then stops at New Orleans Square, and then sort of at the entrance to Toontown and finally in Tomorrowland. So, you know, like like at Walt Disney World, it's transportation, it's an attraction, it's both. And it's really great because there are a lot of actually little extra touches that you get to see as you ride along the railroad, including a dinosaur, I don't know what to call it, diorama, but moving. (laughs) They call it primeval whirl, which number one, I found amusing. Oh, that's funny. I didn't realize that. 
it reminded me of the universe of energy which of course closed a couple of years ago but that was the attraction at epcot where there are dinosaurs and they're talking about how oil is created in fossil fuels i think it was originally sponsored by exxon i don't know if you remember from our youth <laughs> uh exxon that sounds or right or something, something like, like that. that yes one of the big oil companies it's i think it's the same animatronic dinosaur so you know you go through that so there's a section you must be going behind show buildings but there is a nice it's just like an animatronic you know it's it's just like you're on a ride and there are animatronics to look at it's like a dark ride but uh you're on the railroad and my son wasn't there so i did not even tell him that this existed uh, when we talked about our trip but the disneyland railroad walt disney world railroad it's just walt loved trains and it's a great way to get around the park disneyland is very compact which i'll get to later so it's not like walking is that hard but just being able to kick back relax and enjoy just the extra added touches to the railroad was really great so i really loved we wrote it three times or i wrote it three times i think my daughter wrote it twice i had forgotten how much i was missing so the disneyland railroad was great all right so number six the sixth thing i loved about disneyland and i guess i was a little bit surprised by this but avengers campus i think the reason why i was surprised is because unlike galaxy's edge i've never felt that it would be super cool to like be in an Avengers movie or whatever. And really, Avengers Campus only has one ride operational right now, which is Web Slingers. There was something about the characters roaming around and this just started the day before we got there because character meet and greets are back to normal. And so Disneyland and Disney World are having their character interactions. They're basically pre-pandemic character interactions. And so I don't know if it was because of that, that they had extra characters out, but there were tons of Marvel characters wandering around Avengers Campus. And so between that and like the shows that pop up and the attraction itself, I really enjoyed Avengers Campus. You know, what, what are some of the other things that you like about Avengers Campus when you visit, Leslie? Yeah, I really like it too. It's even grown on me. I enjoyed it, of course, when I went to it when it first started. But I mean, they've kept it alive. I mean, my big complaint about Avengers Campus is just the size. It feels really sort of squeezed in there. And there are a lot of places that are tight. And that definitely felt scarier last summer when it reopened, you know, when it opened, and we were all much more cautious about everything. But the characters were there. They were not roaming, obviously, as much as close to guests as they likely are now. But they were out and kind of among people and you know you could get up fairly close to them and and interact and talk to them and that is just that's the best part about Avengers Campus is it feels so much more alive than Galaxy's Edge and and maybe the compactness actually you know is advantageous for that because you kind of are squeezed in there with a lot of things going on at once and then what you haven't mentioned yet my my other favorite thing about Avengers Campus is Pim Test Kitchen I think that's one of the best quick service restaurants at Disneyland. It's so much fun. The menu is a little wacky, but still super kid-friendly. We eat there quite a bit as a family, and I actually go there myself even solo. So what'd you think? Did it live up to my recommendation? Yeah, I thought the food was great. We had breakfast there. Um, I really enjoyed it. My daughter complained about the cheese sauce for the pretzel because it's like a beer-based cheese sauce. She's like, why isn't this just normal nacho melted cheese you know she's very picky so what what are you gonna do but yeah we really enjoyed it the breakfast was great about the kind of tightness of the space that's a good point i we wanted to watch dr strange's show he meets in the sanctorum but that's like a very small i wouldn't even call it an amphitheater it's just like a little circle and so that fills up really fast and one thing i noticed with the shows in general which is a contrast to when you first went last summer of course when there was like way less people in disneyland is 
you really do have to camp out for a spot to see one of the shows, whether it be Spider-Man or the Dora Milaje do a show or Doctor Strange's show. You really need to camp out like maybe 10 minutes before, maybe not so much for Dora Milaje, but 10 minutes before to get a good spot. You know, we wanted to watch a Spider-Man show, which was a lot of fun, but we had to get there 10 minutes before to kind of find our space. You can't just kind of wander in upon it like you used to. Yeah, I mean, that's right. With more people, there, there are more people camping out. But I mean, it was tight from the beginning, Joe. <laughs> so you did still, I, I wasn't ever able to get like a prime spot for the Doctor Strange show. I've watched it from the side several times. I mean, I got a, a peek at it at the media preview, but I've never as a regular guest been able to be front and center. So nor have I wanted to be <laughs> front and center because it means like wall to wall people like, you know, shoulder to shoulder, which I still don't love. I don't think I loved before COVID, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, no. it's like a story time at the library and yes I, yeah we weren't even able to get in past the uh it's it's an open gate but like we weren't able to get in past the gate even into the circle so we didn't even bother um, watching from the hedges outside or whatever last thing before we move on from avengers campus web slingers and guardians of the galaxy mission breakout which is avengers campus adjacent for those who have not listened to anything about disneyland before leslie can you just give us a quick rundown about what those two attractions are like and then i'll tell you what we thought of them sure so mission breakout is the former tower of terror it was rethemed about five years ago and kind of didn't really fit anywhere and then avenger avengers campus was built next door the the storyline doesn't fully make sense as to it's not in avengers campus i mean it is but it doesn't make sense it's an Avengers campus, but, but, you know, suspend some, uh, (laughs) disbelief or whatever for a while it works. And it's a drop ride, new songs, of course, that are very Star-Lord appropriate from his awesome mix. I mean, I think it's a total upgrade. I'm curious to see what you had to say. And then Web Slingers is a screen-based attraction, kind of like Toy Story Midway Mania, except for instead of using slingshots or, or blasters or things like that, you're actually using your hands and you're flinging webs and trying to take out spider bots that are attacking Avengers Campus and trying to take it over. So... What's the verdict, Joe? What do you think of these two attractions? So I'll start with Web Slingers first. My daughter really loved that attraction. She wanted to go multiple times. So we went three times total, twice via Lightning Lane. I actually had a lot of fun doing it. You know, I it, it definitely is meant more for kids. She was practicing her webbing like in line. It was super cute. Aww. It was a lot of fun. Yes, it's a screen-based ride. You, you can tell that this is not what they wanted to headline Avengers Campus. But that being said, it was a lot of fun. And I was happy to pay for Lightning Lane for it once. I was okay with paying for it the second time just because my daughter loved it so much. It's a fun ride. I really liked Web Slingers and the story was fun. Now, Mission Breakout, Leslie, this attraction is a banger. I mean, I loved it. And I know you knew I was going to love it. But I think except for Radiator Springs Racers, like this is what really stood out from Disneyland. And this was like the attraction that I needed to go on multiple times. That's good to hear. I mean, a lot of purists were really unhappy when Tower of Terror left. Of course, we always had the lesser Tower of Terror at Disneyland. It didn't have the uh, full thing where the elevators slid forward before dropping. It was because it was on a smaller land footprint. I thought it was a huge upgrade when I saw it. And I'm usually a Disneyland purist. I mean, I usually don't want things to change <laughs> or be replaced, like especially the old classics. But I... It stood the test of time for me, and I've you know now been on it. I don't even know how many dozens of times, and it's always a lot of fun. I think the soundtrack has a lot to do with that. I think the sort of variable drop sequences have a lot to do with that. Just gives Disneyland something different. So I'm glad to hear it was a hit for you. Ugh, speaking of Disneyland purism, you can see where the People Mover used to be. 
So sad, Leslie. So sad. So sad. I know. Uh, just a little more on Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. Yes, not having... I was like totally shocked because I expected like the Tower of Terror, you would have this like slow ride portion before you start going up and down. And so it started immediately. I was shocked by that, but it, it ended up being great. I do not generally like drop rides. Like I'm not sure. I think I will ride Tower of Terror maybe once every three or four trips. I'm down or three or four times in Hollywood Studios just because I don't love that feeling in my stomach. But Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout is so fun that I definitely made an exception for that we rode that twice and i'm not sure if i told you the story leslie but i took my daughter on Incredicoaster, which by the way would not ride again too old so <laughs> i'm good with that. i'm good with that but i took her on Incredicoaster, and she was legit traumatized like anyone who's done this to one of their kids before you've seen the look on their faces now we were with friends for that portion and so we toured with them a little bit for one day at disneyland and so I could have been convinced to not go on Incredicoaster, but we got peer pressured into going. You know that look, Leslie, when your kid gets off like a roller coaster or maybe a scary dark ride. And, you know, that look of trauma, like that's what was on her face. It was like a little bit pale after Incredicoaster. So you've seen that, right? Oh, yeah. I actually have a photo of it documented on Rock and Roller Coaster from my daughter. I think we took her on it when she was six because she was kind of a daredevil and her eyes are kind of like wide open and her jaw is just kind of dropped. Um, I'll have to find that photo somewhere and post it on Twitter or whatever. But yeah, I mean, a definite look of trauma. She's done it again. I mean, she's lived to tell the tale and I presume yours has too. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, she said, maybe I'll go on that attraction again um, when I'm older. So, But when she got off, she was completely traumatized. We had a Guardians of the Galaxy mission breakout lightning lane for later. And she was like, Dad, I'm not doing this. She's like, I'm, I'm just not going to do it. To her credit, like an hour and a half later, the color had come back to her face. And she was like, hey, can I still use... Because, you know, like I said, we were with our friends. So we were like kind of sharing lightning lanes and stuff like that. She's like, can I try Guardians of the Galaxy later? And I was like, are you sure? You know, I don't want to push you too hard. You did credit coaster i don't want you to do anything extra and she's like yeah but i want to try it because if i like it we can do it again tomorrow which ah could not be prouder leslie turning a corner turning a corner it feels good right (laughs) we'll get more to that later but she went on it and she loved it so yes we did get to go on it a second time the second day and so that was a really amazing attraction all right spent too much time in avengers campus so moving on quickly The fact that Disneyland is so small and compact, it just makes it so easy. This is the fifth thing that I loved about Disneyland. It just makes it so easy to get from park to park. It makes your touring super efficient. I didn't do this, but our friends that we were with, their goal, my friend and his son, his goal was to hit the four mountains in Disneyland. So Matterhorn, Splash, Big Thunder, and Space, while his wife and, you know, the rest of their family did Fantasyland. They were able to do all four mountains without Lightning Lane or Genie Plus. Plus, within the first hour, and they were cutting back and forth across the park the entire time. I was thinking about it, like at the Magic Kingdom, if you want to go from Big Thunder to Space Mountain, that's like a 10-minute walk. Whereas at Disneyland, everything is so much more compact. It just makes touring so much more efficient. You know, for us, I rope dropped Fantasyland with my daughter, and it was like every attraction, we are just walking across like a 20-foot path to get to the next attraction. So it was very efficient going from attraction to attraction to attraction. Of course, it's a drawback for how busy it gets. You never kind of feel like you have space in the walkways, but still 
I never hit 30k steps despite the number of attractions that we got done. You know, we got over 20 attractions done each day. I think that's a real plus for Disneyland and how it's set up. And you know, th- it even helped us. Main Street Electrical Parade had a soft open the last day that we were there, and we didn't find out about it until like two hours before. But we were able to finish an attraction at California Adventure, walk all the way over to Disneyland, and still catch Main Street Electrical Parade. Not from an amazing perspective, but still, we got to see it, which I was happy about. So I think. It just improves the experience overall one thing i told you leslie was i noticed and this is not a good thing but i noticed that like three to five attractions were down at any given time during the day for both days that we were there so there were always attractions down but because disneyland and california adventure are so compact and with a park hopper we could just go to the other park if the attraction that we wanted was down or we could just wait till later. It just makes everything so different. Whereas at Disney World, Hollywood Studios only has like eight to 10 attractions and only like six of them are good. If one or two of those are down, like all of a sudden you've kind of lost out on everything. So I think the density of Disneyland just makes a huge difference. Yeah, it definitely does. I mean, you're just really able, like you said, to knock out those Fantasyland attractions, bam, 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 you know, do five or six, you know, in an hour. Yeah, I love how things are so close, but you're right. It does get really crowded and there's a lot of choke points at Disneyland, especially on busy days. And I'm sure sure you felt that. I mean, definitely you. there are times where you feel like you just can't escape the crowds. And maybe that's one reason I've never been much of a parade or fireworks person because there's just not a lot of space when those happen. And so maybe I've been trying to avoid those over the years subconsciously definitely a pro and a con to that kind of a layout the parade i know was the first time in years that it happened but essentially the entire park was shut down for the main street electrical parade so that wasn't the best the other thing i would add just if you're thinking about going to disneyland is that you just need fewer days to go to disneyland whereas for disney world if it's your first trip i would say you need at least three days but four or five is more ideal For Disneyland, like we could have gone home after that first day and we would have had a full experience at Disneyland and California Adventure. That second day was just bonus for us. So again, the density really helps to cut down how much time you need to spend there overall, which of course means you can cut down the amount of money you spend overall. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, until this year, I had never taken a Disneyland trip that was longer than three days. I'd never bought more than a three-day ticket. This fall, I did buy a three-day ticket plus one day went to Oogie Boogie Bash. So that I guess technically that was my first four-day trip to Disneyland. But often I'm just there for a day or two and that's enough. And I don't feel like I've done Disney World unless I've been there at least five days. All right. So number four, and I'm surprised that it's all the way at number four. Normally it would be top three, but I'm cheating with number one, which you'll hear later. The fourth thing I loved about Disneyland was Genie Plus. Holy cow, Leslie. Genie Plus works at Disneyland? Like what is happening? I don't understand. Can you just (laughs) remind us the differences about uh, Genie Plus at Disneyland? And you can tell the people why why it works better. Yeah. I mean, it's really bad they have the same name because it's not the same product in Walt Disney World and Disneyland. I guess the rules are mostly the same. I mean, there are some small differences. Like you can't start booking rides with Genie Plus at Disneyland until you have scanned into a park for the morning. So there's no 7 a.m. sleepily in your your bed refreshing and hoping the Wi-Fi works. You have to be in a park. And there's some other differences. But there's just so many more attractions at Disneyland that you don't run out. There there are 12 attractions in 
Disneyland Park, although I guess uh, Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin is is closed now with Toontown being closed. So I guess 11 attractions. And then there are seven attractions in DCA, but just so much more to do. And then, of course, there's so many rides that aren't on Genie Plus. So it's not like everything is on Genie Plus and that's all you have to you're trying to hit. Yeah, I mean, you don't need to wake up early. And I guess we knew it was going to work at Disneyland because it's essentially the same system as MaxPass, which did work really, really well. I mean, they've made some changes to the rules and all of that, but the, the basic framework is MaxPass and MaxPass was awesome. It's not so awesome if you aren't buying it and the standby lines are, you know, an hour plus long, but if you are buying it, it's $20 at Disneyland and totally worth it. Genie Plus works at Walt Disney World, but it only works if you do the work. I think the big difference that I noticed at Disneyland was I could be completely clueless, maybe not completely clueless, but I could go in with not too much prep and Genie Plus, it's it's a lot more forgiving. That's the way I'll say it. And that's why I say that the product like works. And I guess I would say it works for normal people people who are not listening to Disney podcasts because, you know, you just roll in and then you just start choosing your Genie Pluses. Obviously, waking up at 7 a.m., it's not vacation. And I was just listening to Disney Dish this morning, like the episode that came out this morning. And I think Disney has figured this out because they had a survey. And I'm not one who's big on these survey episodes or when they go over what the survey say, but Disney World asked, you know, were you unhappy with Genie Plus because you had to wake up at 7 a.m.? And it's like, Duh. Yeah. No one wants to wake up at 7 a.m. on vacation. And so that's huge. And then the other thing is, I think because you can't start booking until you get into the park, that just eases the server load because not everyone's getting on at the same time. So it's just so much smoother. Every day we were doing four or five Genie Plus rides before lunch easy. And then, you know, for the rest of the day, we'd have, you know, another three two, three, four, you know, I, I, I didn't even have to keep track and keep count because I knew that the system was working. I'm not sure how they can tweak it at Walt Disney World, but they definitely need to tweak it. But at Disneyland, you know, Genie Plus, it's working as intended. If you want to spend the extra $20 on Genie Plus for even a day, it will really help you out and really help the number of attractions you get on. Like I said, we got on 20, 22 each day and we didn't even rope drop one of those days. Yeah, that's amazing. And, and like you say, it, it is more forgiving. I mean, there are definitely advanced strategies you can use at Disneyland. And, you know, there's there's rides that are better to book first thing in the morning because the times will get pushed out more in the afternoon than other rides. But you know what? If you don't know that, it's not like you won't get on that ride. Like versus at Walt Disney World, it's like if you don't get Slinky Dog Dash as your first selection, you're not getting it for the day. And it, that's just not the case at Disneyland. Yeah, that's a great point. The popular attractions were not selling out of their lightning lanes until like 3, 4, 5 p.m. Yeah, so like if you're trying to book Indiana Jones, which as an aside, hate that ride, never going on it again. But if you are going to book that, as long as you're willing to wait a couple hours, you can still make the booking at 2 p.m. for like a 7 or 8 p.m. return time. They're not selling out, so it's not you know the same type of pressure and stress you feel with Slinky Dog or whatever. Now, I did try to use aforementioned broken attractions to generate multi-use lightning lanes. Was not able to do it. Every single attraction that I booked stayed up. And every time there was an attraction that was down, the return time wasn't soon enough. So that didn't work well. I think the best chance, and this goes for Disney World as well, the best chance to get these conversions. And this is where you book a lightning lane 
for an attraction that is already down. So let's say I see that it's a small world is down. This would be great if it's if it, if it's a small world ever goes down. If it's a small world is down, I can book a lightning lane for ten minutes later when my t- time comes around. If it's still not back up, they'll convert that into a multi-use lightning lane that I can use for multiple attractions. Maybe not all of them, but a lot of them. So I was trying to do that. Didn't manage to get that done. Even without that, though, Genie Plus was great. Leslie always likes to say that Genie Plus at Disneyland is like shooting fish in a barrel. I amended that to say it was like shooting fish in a barrel with a shotgun. (laughs) All right. Fair enough. Amendment accepted. Okay. So third best thing at Disneyland, which is not Disneyland specific, but my daughter decided that she is now ready to be a single rider. And wow, Leslie, does this open up a world of possibilities in terms of touring with your kids. Just to run over quickly, which attractions at Disneyland and California Adventure are single rider before I talk about our experience? All right. So as of right now, and this is changing a lot and has changed this past year, Radiator Springs, Web Slingers, Grizzly River Run, Goofy Sky School, Incredicoaster, Splash Mountain, Matterhorn, and Millennium Falcon Smugglers Run all have single rider. The first single rider we went on was Radiator Springs Racers. So we bought Lightning Lane for it uh, both days. And then on the second day we went on it, but then that's when I was like, hey, check that out. That's the single rider line. And there was no one, there was like three people in it. So I was like, do you want to ride this again right now? Cause we can go single rider. And so that was the first time. And I don't know if you had this discussion with your son yet, but I'm sure you've had it with your daughter, but it was the first time. So we were like, okay, where are we going to meet? Okay, we're going to meet by this gas pump on the exit side. And Radiator Springs Racers is really nice because you get off the same place where you get on so we could like point it out. And then I asked the cast member, she's like, can you make sure that it's okay for me to ride alone? So I asked the cast member. And so she wrote it. She wrote it on her own. We ended up racing each other and it was great. And she's like, oh, this is great. I can do single rider now. And it was amazing, Leslie. It literally doubled the amount of times we got to ride Radiator Springs Racers because we did it a couple times as single rider. The first time was a walk-on as a single rider. The second time, it was less than 15-minute wait. And this was at night. For those who don't know, Radiator Springs Racers is the same kind of ride vehicle as Test Track, but you are driving through Radiator Springs. So it's an, And you race another car at the fast part. So it is an amazing attraction. And so that was great. We went on Web Slingers. That was less than 10 minutes. And so that was good too. And on Web Slingers, we actually got lucky, ended up getting pa- paired up. So we got to ride that together. And then finally... I did not want to do Goofy Sky School more than once, but she did. So she single ridered it. And I caught this, you know, nice moment where I saw her coming down this drop and I saw the smile on her face as she was like enjoying riding the traction by herself. It was like she was growing up before my eyes, Leslie. So it was a beautiful moment. Beautiful. Yeah. But single rider is is definitely just amazing. I mean, we, we've used it with my daughter the last couple of years, especially she loves Incredicoaster. So she and my husband will often go off and ride that single rider while I do something with her our son. So we're not free yet. Um, I haven't had like a solo trip with just my daughter to get to like really maximize a single rider, but, but it is, it is game changing for your strategy and being able to do a lot more rides. So, you know, in combination with Genie Plus, I mean, that you, you guys really knocked it out of the park. Yeah. A quick note on two attractions at Disneyland that are Disneyland specific. Incredicoaster, I'm too old for it, but I should give credit where credit is due. The theming on Ed- Incredicoaster is pretty cool there's a story on the roller coaster and it's it's a better story than rock and roller coaster in my opinion so i really appreciated that and then grizzly river run is basically the kali river rapids of disneyland so i would be remiss if i didn't talk about it just because my daughter as 
many people who have listened before know loves Kali River Rapids because she's nuts. I will say that Grizzly River Run is a better version of Kali River Rapids in terms of theming and stuff like that. It's longer. Uh, it makes more sense. However, I feel like it spins more, which I don't personally like. Thankfully, she only made me ride it once. All right. Well, I'm glad you survived and lived to tell the tale. And I presume you didn't get too drenched. I got a pro tip from a good friend of mine <laughs> who said, hold your feet up, like put your feet up on the center console thing and your shoes will probably not get soaked through. And yes, that did save me because Yay. my pant leg was completely soaked through. And knowing, uh, just knowing a little bit of physics, I know where my foot would have been and it would have been <laughs> soaked through if I had not gotten that advice. Glad, glad it worked out. Cause I, you know, I don't ride water rides very often at Disneyland, but I did in December ride all of them as part of my, you know, ride all 19 genie plus attractions in a single day. And I was terrified that like I had to do grizzly at like two o'clock in the afternoon. And I was like, if I get drenched and I did have a poncho, but like I didn't have anything for my feet. I was like, if I get my my shoes drenched, like this day is going to go off the rails. So <laughs> that was when I figured it out. It works. Great tip. All right. Second best thing about Disneyland is Cars Land. Leslie, I don't, I don't feel like you prepared me for how amazingly themed this land is. It is like you are walking into Radiator Springs, the town, especially at night with the neon and the different stores as you're walking down the strip. And then, like I said, Radiator Springs Racers is an amazing attraction. That was our favorite attraction, hands down, at Disneyland. It is maybe one of the best themed lands in any Disney park that I've been to, including Tokyo Disney Sea, which is amazing. I mean, Cars Land, they really, and it's very small and compact, but it feels like they pack so much in there. It is wonderful. Yeah, I guess sometimes we take it for granted because it's been there so long. It's now about 10 years old, I think, because I think I went there when my daughter was three right after it opened. So yeah, I mean, it, it's so well themed. I mean, it, it's what sort of set the standard for all these immersive lands that have followed for Pandora, for Galaxy's Edge, for Avengers Campus. This was the first, at least in the, the United States. Yeah, and I think what sets Cars Land, and is that the official term for it? Yeah, that's the official term for it. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if it's, you know, people call Galaxy's Edge Star Wars land. So, right. but I think what sets it apart from all of those that you mentioned, which are of course, amazingly themed in their own right, is that this is the only one where it looks exactly like the movie. I assume this is how it feels when you go to Hogsmeade and Hogwarts at Universal, but even then, like they're depicted differently in different movies, but this is like, you're walking straight into the movie cars, whereas, you know, Batu, it's its own land or whatever. And <laughs> no one knows what Pandora looks like, but it is just wonderful to walk through there. And there's a lot of seating area. My friends who were there, they were there with a couple of grandmas. So by the time we got to Cars Land, they were ready to take a break. So they just sat down at Flo's Cafe and hung out there while we went on Radiator Springs Racers with the family and stuff like that. So it is just really great. Worth a trip to California on its own, uh, along with Radiator Springs Racers, of course. All right, Joe. Well, this is a, again to be a long trip report, but let's close it out with your favorite thing about your Disneyland trip. Yeah, so again, this is not Disney specific, but I really wanted to say this. Taking solo trips with the kids, you know, a one-on-one -on -one trip, I just think is very valuable from a parenting perspective. I'll talk about it in Disney terms first. I think Disney is a very easy place for kids to become more independent, like I was talking about with Single Rider. But when I asked the cast member about Single Rider, they were actually they actually told me, you know, if a child is seven years old, you can let them go wander the entire park by themselves if you want, which I'm not going to do. But when you're in the Disney bubble, you feel more comfortable 
with things like that. Like, you know, Disney World was the first place where I ever let my daughter go to the bathroom on her own without like taking her into the men's room or whatever. So Disney is a great place for these solo trips, but Disney, of course, is a ton of money. But I do want to say just as a non-Disney aside that taking solo trips with the kids, it's so good for bonding. And especially if you have more than one kid, siblings are always getting in the way. They're fighting for your attention. So when it's just you, one parent with one kid, even if you take a day trip to somewhere local or to a local museum or whatever, I always find those experiences so valuable. And being at Disneyland and you know Los Angeles in general with my daughter was just a really great trip. Looking forward to doing something similar with my other two kids. Maybe not Disney, but something where I go with them one on one. You know, I know you know the value of this as well. So this is definitely my number one. Just being able to be one on one with a kid. It's precious time. For sure. And my trip coming up to Disney World this summer is with just one kid with my youngest. So I'm looking forward to hopefully nudging him out into independence a little bit more. So glad to hear, uh, you know, that yours, who's a year and a half older, it, it was such a success. The older siblings are always easier than independence. I know, I know, they yeah. are. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Like my son is, <laughs> my son's about the age where I, you know, had my daughter go to the, I mean, of course he'll go to the bathroom with me, but you know, he's about that age and I could not see him doing it. <laughs> I could not see him handling it the way that she handled it. So, uh, you know. Yeah, but, firstborns, uh, there's there's some some reality to the stereotypes for sure. Yeah, Leslie and I aren't biased either. No. So. <laughs> Guess what we are, guys. <laughs> Guess what we are. <laughs> exactly. All right, Joe. Well, let's end this episode with our traditional Disney do or don't. Yeah, so my Disney do or don't is very easy at Disneyland. It is upgrade your ticket. At the very least, I feel like unless you are planning to take it really slowly, get the park hopper. There's just so much that you can do, so many attractions that you can get done. I guess I would only say if you don't care about attractions, like that's not your thing, maybe you skip the park hopper. But other than that, I see no reason to go to Disneyland and not get the park hopper. You know, with Disney World, I'm always like, there's a lot of factors you want to weigh, yada, yada, yada. With Disneyland, I feel like it's a slam dunk. Get the park hopper. And I would say that for 80% of people, especially if you're just going to Disneyland that one time, get Genie Plus as well. Like I said, shooting fish in a barrel with a shotgun. It's just so much easier. So that's my Disney do. Very simple. Get Park Hopper, get Genie Plus. All right. Totally agree. All right. Well, thanks so much for indulging as uh, we talked about my Disneyland trip. If you've uh, been to Disneyland or, you know, have any questions about Disneyland, Leslie, of course, is the Disneyland expert. And you can check out and you can check out the Disneyland with Kids Facebook group she runs, which she mentioned before. A lot of great information there. I've been getting a lot more of those notifications in my feed, Leslie, because I was studying up. Uh, so the <laughs> Facebook algorithm is on to me. I got to get it back on uh, Walt Disney World side of things. That's right. But yes, let us know any questions you have, DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at www.deciphered on Twitter or find us on Facebook and Instagram, Disney Deciphered. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Other than that, Leslie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. And I'll see you bugging me about when my next trip to Disneyland is. Thanks, Jenna.